So we've been looking at what does it mean to be that community? What does it mean to follow Christ uh, in a way uh, that Christ expects? I think so many times we follow Christ in the way that we decide needs to be uh, or in the way that we uh, have seen others follow, and and yet uh, many times we miss the very desire of Christ to follow Christ how he calls us. And, and understand, that is, that is the key thing, is, is to uh, follow the way that Christ expects us to. Because so many times I think we're following and we're not following Christ. We may be following a lot of other things. We might be following his teachings. We might be following his examples. But that is not what God has called us to, to do. Uh, We've not been called to believe a philosophy. We've not been called to be good people that live by a certain code of conduct. Yes, God gave us those things, but those were simply the uh, outpouring of what we are to put on when we follow Christ. We are to follow Jesus. And so we've been looking at what it means to truly be a disciple And we've come to this realization that Jesus preached, and Jesus preached a hard message that a lot of people, you know what, when when it came down to it, when he put them to the very test, they walked away. They loved all the great things that Jesus did. Man, the crowds showed up for for the miracles. And for the food that he would provide when, man, when he, when he fed 5,000, they're like, man, we could, we could live on this. Yeah, Jesus, you're good. But then when Jesus sat down with them and said, this is what's required of you, and this is what's going to happen, it said that many of them walked away sad, both as crowds and as individuals, because what Jesus was really calling them to was a life of discipleship, not a life of religion. And, and many times we, even in the church, have not followed that call. Uh, we looked at, first of all, that it was a call that was absolutely necessary. It was a call of repentance, that without repentance, and, and we talked that repentance is a total realigning of your life. It's not just a little bit a change here and there, a, 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 a doing things a little bit differently. It was a it was a repent. It is a realigning of your life because you're going the wrong way, uh, and uh, so it was something that is necessary. It's not something that you can just uh, give or take. I- I'm going to just say a prayer. And I'm going to believe in Jesus, but I don't need to go to that extreme. I don't need to be a fanatic. That's just for those that, that, that really, man, they just love the spiritual stuff. But I believe in Jesus, so I'm covered. Jesus said, no. Just because you believe in me, just because you've said a prayer, it said, even, even Satan believes in me. Even the demons believe in Jesus, but yet they tremble knowing that they are going to face his judgment. It is only those that follow him and become disciples that are truly Christians. And then we looked at the fact that it is a call that demands a response. We must respond to Jesus, and we must respond to Jesus himself. It is Jesus that we are following. It is a, it is a love and a passion for the one who loved us. It's not a call to follow rules. It is a passion and a call to relationship. 
And uh, that relationship is based on Jesus. And we're going to see next week that that relationship that we're called to also includes one another. We are called to community. Um, And so that is what we are following. Today, uh, we want to look at another passage of Scripture. And these are all from the words of Jesus himself, where Jesus tells us that to be a disciple is to count the cost. You need to understand that discipleship is costly. It's not going to be something easy. And and I love this about Jesus because uh, Jesus wants you to know this right up front, okay? Jesus didn't hide this message in the fine print. He didn't trick people in with all the miracles, okay? He did those things, but he told them right up front what was what he was calling them. It says that he preached a message of repentance to the kingdom of God. Uh, In Mark chapter 8, we've been in the book of Mark this whole time, and in Mark chapter 8, we see the next call of Jesus as Jesus was revealing these things to the crowds and and to his disciples. Um, And uh, he He never asked anything that he was not willing to give. And I love this about Jesus because if we're to follow Jesus, Jesus knows that if you're going to follow me, then I need to be committed to the same thing. And Jesus was committed to the same thing that he was calling us to. And so he told them that that I have come to die, That, that I have not come just to give you easy words and nice words, but even I myself will give my life for this relationship. And he said, I'm going to be struck down. I'm going to be killed. And we know the response of Peter. Peter was, no, you are not, Jesus. We will die before you do it. Jesus, you will not be killed. And he almost rebuked him. And and Jesus turned around and rebuked Peter and said, Peter, no, this is the way it has to be. And this is his response to that in chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus It says that when he had called the people to him, this is after he rebuked Peter for for trying to tell him that that this is not the way it had to be, Jesus said, wait a second, you're missing this. We need to get everyone together. And so he called the people to him and his disciples, and this is what he said to them. Whoever, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And so we see that Jesus right up front says, wait a second, guys, you're getting off track. You want the easy way. Peter wanted the easy way. He he didn't want Jesus to die. Jesus said, no, I have to die. And you know what? If I have to die, you also need to die to yourself. You need to deny yourself. There's a cost that has to be paid. This is not just a cheap grace that God is going to wave some wand over you just because you believe in him. 
But to receive the life that I want to give you, you've got to let go of the thing that's broken. You see, so many times uh, we want the newness, but we don't want to give up the broken part. We don't want to give up uh, what we have grown used to. And yet Jesus, he he definitely wanted them to know that if you are going to follow me, you've got to pay the price. It's not that you're going to pay this price to earn it, but you're going to pay this price so that what I did will be able to work in your life. You see, it's not, many times people turn that into, okay, then I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give everything I have uh, to, to get eternal life. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you need to deny yourself and follow me. You see, it's kind of like when you have heart disease and you know what, your body is, is just deteriorating and dying, and that happens. And the doctor comes and says, you know what, I can go in, and I can uh, uh, put a stent in there, or I can uh, do this, and I can even change out valves. They can do amazing things. But for that to carry on, you've got to, do, you've got to commit to a life of, you know what, you've got to change your diet. You've got to begin to live a certain way. You've got to do this. Or, other th- or otherwise, whatever I do, it, it, it is just going to be for nothing. And, and that is what Jesus says. It's, it is what I'm going to do, but you have got to follow me so that what I do will take effect, so that it will be worth your life. Um, now, it is not that we are the one that is bringing life because we can't do anything but it is as we follow Jesus, as we begin to pay the price, then the miraculous thing that God does for us has the opportunity to bring that life to us. And it's a sad thing that we see all the time that people go to the doctor and the doctor does great surgeries and yet they go right back to their life. Have you seen it? Someone that you know, has that They go right back to the same old life until they just kill themselves again. You see them uh, with all different kinds of of, uh, procedures. And it's the same thing with Christ. We come to Christ and we weep and we have an encounter with God and God does something and yet we're not willing to pay the price to let that miracle truly take hold of our life and do its work. We are not willing to embrace that. This is what Jesus is saying. There is a price to be paid, not to earn, but to enact what I am doing in your life. And so we are called uh, to pay the price. Now, this is not a surprise because we've already heard the message of Jesus is to repent. And the reason we need to repent is because we're already going in the wrong way. And so knowing that we're going in the wrong way and and Jesus is calling us to a new way, it should not surprise us that he says there's going to be a cost to that, that there is going to be uh, a cost to following me, to, to realigning your life. And here's the thing. The problem is in, in paying that price, we are going to face 
such pressure from one another. Because how many know the hardest part about paying the price when the doctor um, uh, says, okay, you need to change these things in your life. How many know that you're like, okay, I want to live. I I want this to take place and I want to enjoy this new life that I have. But you go home and, and you know, why is it hard for us to change our life? Because everyone else around us, they're not changing their life, right? Isn't that harder? I got to change my diet while I'm sitting at the table eating my salad and looking at everyone else having the cheeseburgers. Oh, I brought this home and then you've got to do it. It is so hard when everyone else around us is going the opposite direction. And Jesus understands that, but yet that does not change the fact. And this is what we have to battle against. Just because everyone else is going the wrong direction, don't fall into the same trap. We have got to make our mind up that we are going to go the other way. Jesus says this. He says that we are to deny ourselves. Now, here's the problem. The cost that is called for us to pay is the cost of ourself, of our own control over our life, uh, to doing what we want, to decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. That's the cost. You have to pay that, that I no longer control that. I no longer decide what I want. I no longer will do um, uh, what I want. Now, here's the problem. We go back home after encountering the love of Jesus and how many know we all do this? We come to church and we, we hear the message that God loves us. God knows that you can be better. God has a plan for you that is better than this world. And we're like, yes. And it's so encouraging because I've felt what it feels like to be enslaved to this world. I try as hard as I can and I keep falling and, and I go through these things. And now finally there's a way out. And I go back home and it's so hard because everyone else is going the other way. And we live in a culture that is bombarding us with the opposite message. In fact, here's the message that our our world says. You know what? Here's the way to be happy. The only way to be happy, the way you really find fulfillment is when you discover yourself. You need to look inside yourself, and that is how you are going to find true happiness. No one else can give it to you but you need to discover your true self. And it sounds good on the outside, right? I mean, it, yeah, I need to, I need to find myself. I, I need to find out who I really am. But here's the problem that Jesus knows. You don't want to know who you really are because the problem is who you are. The whole problem in this world is because of who people are. Because we all are dirty, stinking, selfish, self-seeking people. And that if I'm going to live for who I am, here's the problem with that. That's great for you. But you know what that means? That would be saying, I'm glad you know who you are, Leo. But you know what? That that, That sure doesn't help me. And if you find who you are, then I'm the one that gets put beside. So we begin to hurt one another. Because you can't. Do both. You can't live and find out who you are without ignoring who others are. And who we are is the broken part of this world. 
And yet we see it all the time. The other thing that we, we see that our culture is, is saying, you know what you don't need to do? You need to be true to yourself. The problem is you're living for other people. And you're letting them tell you who you are. And, and you know what? True happiness and fulfillment and accomplishment is being true to yourself. And again, that's great until it comes into conflict with people we love. And for a while, it can work out because many times, even in relationships, I'm being true to myself and I really love you. And so you have relationships with your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your mom or your dad or your brothers and your sisters. But there's going to come a time where that being true to yourself is going to contradict what other people need. And if we are just true to ourselves, I'm going to tell you that is what creates conflict and pain and brokenness. And then when you need other people, because there's coming a time where being true to yourself, you can't meet all your needs and you need others. But by that time, we've burned bridges and it, it begins to destroy our true fulfillment. And yet, you look at every single Disney picture, every I mean, we love Disney pictures, right, and movies, you know, Aladdin and, and uh, 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 The Beauty and the Beast and, and uh, Mulan and all those great stories. But if you look at the crux of it, it's all the crux. If you find it's always about being true to yourself, that the hero finally finds his true self, and, and yet they don't show the reality that we are the broken people that do not have the ability to find the fulfillment and wholeness just within ourselves. Because when we are true to ourselves, if we are going to be true to ourselves, we are selfish, hateful people. And someone gets hurt. Now, maybe the people you like don't get hurt, but there will be someone that gets hurt. The other thing that we see is culture tells us you need to express yourself. You need to begin to find that place where you can not only be true to yourself and discover yourself, but you need to express yourself. You need to be who you can be. And again, how many know that problem in our life is that we have expressed ourselves? How many know there's times we know Man, I wish I hadn't said that, but I was just expressing myself. There, there, are, there are times within us even, and there's sometimes we do something and we say this, oh my gosh, that wasn't me. I don't know why I did that. that that's really unlike me. How can it be unlike you? What it is is that's who you really are, that you just learn to kind of stuff down there. But at times it breaks out and you truly express yourself. And that is where we sabotage our own life. When we learn to express ourselves, when we begin to let who we really are out, I'm going to tell you, it begins to cut our life down in ways that we don't even understand because I'm just expressing myself. And so we are told this over and over again uh, that this is the way 
We find fulfillment. And yet it's really the way that we just suck the life out of everyone around us to where, yeah, we might find fulfillment, but you're going to be the only one. You're going to have a very lonely life. You better just like yourself because that's all you're going to have. The final one that we see all the time in our, in our culture is this, and, and how many we've probably even uh, quoted this, treat yourself. Treat yourself. Isn't that the... All life, you know what? Feel good. You need to treat yourself because no one else is going to treat you. Well, here's the problem with that. You know why no one else is? Because everyone else is treating themselves. If we're going to live this life where we treat ourselves, you're right. No one else is going to help you because you're just going to continue this brokenness in a world where everyone is just treating themselves. You notice that if we all treat ourselves, no one can treat themselves. Because the way I treat myself is to find fulfillment in people who love me. We all want to be loved and accepted. But if they're just treating themselves, then really, whenever they're loving me, I never know when that's going to stop because they're only doing it when they feel like it. That's why people that get married now because they're so in love. And then they, you know what, now that the love is gone, we might as well just split off and take it up. That's why God hates divorce. Divorce is not in the plan of God because it was never meant to be based on pleasure and love. It was meant to be based on a commitment to God and his faithful plan for us because there's come a time where treating ourselves and just making decisions based on what feels good is never going to last because everything that feels good is going to disappear at some point in time. You know what? Here's the thing. We're all going to grow old. We're all going to break down in these bodies. And so those things that we treat ourselves with many times are the, the things that are cutting short the pleasure of life itself. If we live only for pleasure, you are missing out on the biggest pleasure. It sounds crazy. It's a, it's a paradox. But yet God is saying, I know how you were made. And you are, by seeking the quick pleasures, you're missing the long pleasure the deep pleasure. And that is why sometimes people can't understand, you know, when he says uh, to, to, that, that sex outside of marriage is, is, is disgusting to God. Now, people can't understand that because we love each other and, and, and we're, maybe we're eventually going to get married. And why does God have such a hard time with it? Because he knows that an uncommitted love, an uncovenanted love, now I might say, well, no, we're committed to each other then you get married. So, oh, well, we're not waiting. Then you're not really committed to each other. People, we talk out of an uncommitted love is something that, that drains us. It is only selfishness. And so that type of pleasure does not build the foundation of what God wants to give a deeper pleasure, not just a physical one time because it feels good pleasure. But if we will trust God, he has a deeper pleasure for us. And that goes into every area of our life, financially, relationally. God says this world is telling you the wrong things. It is lying to you, and we are falling to these lies. And we are living a life where we are treating ourselves, we're expressing ourselves. It's all about ourselves. And we cannot be Christians and live this way. 
you are not following Jesus. That is why Jesus brings us to the cost of discipleship. Because those things are eating away like a cancer within us. God loves us enough to cure the cancer. He loves us enough. Those things are stopping when you treat yourself, when you discover yourself, when you express yourself, when you just begin to uh, stay true to yourself. You know what you're doing? You're, you're clogging up your arteries. You're adding one more thing to the life flow of blood through your body. And God can see it getting clogged up. And that is why Jesus says these things to treat that disease. He says you need to deny yourself. See, the first thing he says is you need to say no to yourself. If we're going to stop this disease from a fatal heart attack that one day is going to cause your body to seize up and die, you need to start right now to deny yourself. It's not about you. Now, to deny yourself is not to uh, uh, become a wimpy person that gets walked over that never does anything you like, but it is to say, I will no longer decide what my pleasure is, but Jesus, you will. Because when you deny yourself, you actually begin the process of opening up the life flow that Jesus said, I have come to give you life. I've come to give you a joy and a pleasure that you didn't realize you could have because you were trying to treat yourself. And you didn't realize that I'm the one that created you and I want to fix your brokenness and give you the true life and joy that I created you to have. So it's got to stop. It's got to start with stopping focusing on yourself. And when you deny yourself, and take your hands off the wheel and let God get in the driver's seat and begin to say, take me where you want, God. That's what it means to deny yourself. To say no, to say no to your control. See, it's not to say no to pleasure, it's to say no to your control of it. I'm not saying no to pleasure, I'm saying no to the way I want to do it. And God, now you bring me pleasure as you desire. When we deny ourselves, we allow God to begin to come in and take us places that we didn't even know existed. He begins to, to navigate our life in a way that we didn't realize. Have you ever been on a trip and, and you're with someone that says, you know what, let me take you someplace. I know you didn't even know because it's not on any of the guidebooks. Take this little exit in this town. Go back here. There's this little cafe that it's just a little hole in the wall, it's back here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you there. And they take you there, and you eat it, and it's like, that was the best burger I've ever had. But you would have never known it was there if you did not let that person who knows it take you there. That is what Jesus is trying to tell us. Will you let me control your life? It may be going some places that you didn't wanna go. You would have never gone on your own. But if you will let me, you will experience some things that only I can give you. So he says, deny yourself. Begin to understand that you're not in control of your life. You, ne you don't control your schedule. You don't control your finances, but you begin to put that in the hands of God. God, how do you want me to spend this money? God, what would please you? God, how should I spend my time? You know what? I really want to go and do this, but God, I, I, am, 
I'm going to give you control. And sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no. But do we let him have control of the direction of our life? The second thing, he says, deny yourself. He says, pick up your cross. Basically, he's saying you need to die to yourself. You need to understand that that many of those pleasures you need to die to because the, the option is either you're dying or other people are dying. God says, if you will begin to die to yourself, to, to begin to put selfishness aside, to trust that I have something better, pick up your cross and let the Lord begin to clear out the gunk in your life. He needs to clear out the pride. Maybe he needs to clear out the jealousy, the anger, uh, the unforgiveness, the bitterness. To die to yourself is more than denying yourself. Denying yourself is I give up control. Dying to yourself is I let go and let God begin to clean some things out that, that I have held on to. And God, this means you need to begin to do work within me that sometimes is painful. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it is uh, 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 physically painful. In other words, Jesus told him, the cross is a picture of my own path because we know that Jesus was, was going to the cross And he says, if you're going to follow me, this is what it's going to look like sometimes. Sometimes it's going to look like Jesus is killing you. When you follow Jesus, sometimes it's going to feel like, Jesus, you're killing me. He says, oh, then you're on the right path. If you ever feel like, man, following Jesus is, right now it's just hard. Then those are times that you're probably on the right path. Now, it's not going to always be like that. But are you willing to constantly acknowledge that, Jesus, I'm going to die to myself? Even if it feels like, Jesus, you're killing me, I'm going to follow you. And here's the thing. Here's the other thing. When he said, pick up your cross, what you're dying to is he's saying you're dying to your rights. Many times this is is what we, even though we deny ourselves, God, you have control, but then, you know what, there's still, I have the right to be treated this way. I have the right uh, to this life. And even when we we say, now, Jesus, we hold Jesus up to a a standard like we manipulate him. God, I've I've given you everything. Now, you need to make everything right. Now, you need to come in and, and do this. And yet, he's saying, when you pick up your cross, there's stories that, that when people were, um, condemned to die of crucifixion, that they looked forward to getting to the place where they were finally crucified. Because what the Romans would do is it'd make them pick up their cross and walk the road to the place where they were going to be crucified. But here's the thing, that as soon as they picked up their cross, they lost all rights as a human. And the crowds would come around. And as they were walking, the crowds would beat them with sticks and stones. They would throw things at them. I mean, they would pummel them. The the painful torture of the path to the cross was sometimes worse than the cross itself. 
And it says that many times they would look forward to getting there because when they picked up their cross and followed the soldier to where they were going, that that journey sometimes was painful. And Jesus is saying, sometimes when you follow me, the crowds are not going to understand. And as you follow Jesus, you're going to face people around you that are not going to see you in the same way that Christ does. And we're going to face abuse. But you, you need to understand that you have lost rights. We will not respond in anger because it's no longer my right because I have died to myself. I have picked up my cross. And do we see other people in that way? Do we see that, that their reaction to us is not, no longer my ordeal? That's up to Christ. That's up to God to handle. But I'm going to follow Jesus. And you see, that is what Jesus is saying, to follow me. And that's why he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then follow me. So while we are denied, it's not just enough to deny yourself and pick up your cross. There are a lot of Christians that do this. I need to deny myself and pick up my cross. And so you see, they are living a life of denial. I don't do anything, and I'm, I'm just beating myself. And, and they pick up their cross, and, and they're always so unhappy because they can't do anything. No, I can't do anything with you. That would be, you know, just not right. But the problem is, Jesus just does not ask us to deny ourselves and then pick up our cross. He says, and follow me. So it's not just about denying ourselves and picking up our cross. It's about following Jesus. When we do that, let's keep our eyes on Jesus and now follow Jesus because Jesus is now my focus. Jesus is my passion. Jesus is the one that I am more in love with than my life. The reason I can deny myself, the reason I can pick up my cross is because those things have been killing me all my life. I'm going to let them go because I see a better way. You know, it's hard to let go of the hot dogs and the hamburgers and the, you know, fried food and everything, but we change, not because we didn't like those things, but we see that there is something better to hold on to. And especially if you, you have experienced it and it's still hard. I mean, I agree. Since we got in shape and I've been running, it's still hard for me to do that. You, you still long for those things. But you know what? I love feeling this way better. I know the life that is so much better on this side that even though I'm pulled to go back to those things, I keep my eyes on the reason why I'm going this direction. And the reason we do this is because of Jesus it is Jesus that we follow, so we keep our eyes on Jesus. That is what keeps us going. That is the reason why. It's not just to come to church. It's definitely not because you're a pastor. It's not because, hopefully, of your mom or your grandma. Sometimes we do. We serve. We go to church because, oh, my you know, grandma would be upset or our mom. If that's the reason, you need to change that because unless we are following Jesus and understand that Jesus is the one that loves us and he has a plan and there's something that he is working in our life. That becomes the reason that we are driven to follow him. And here's the thing that Jesus said. The last thing he said is, when you deny yourself, you pick up your cross and follow me. This is what he said. 
when you lose your life, you're going to find it. He said, here's the reason why I said this, because you are going to receive something that is so great that no one else can ever understand it. The world cannot give you life like I want to give you life. You're right. The path to it is hard. But if you will deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, I will give you life that will last more than 30 seconds. I will give you a better life than a Twitter life that is only 400 characters long. But I'm going to give you a full novel. I'm going to give you life that goes beyond uh, just the moment and then leaves you empty. You see, the reason it is so costly, now this is costly, to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, to follow someone else rather than yourself, no longer treating yourself, no longer discovering yourself, no longer being true to yourself, that's costly. But it's because you're getting something that is worth more than you could ever pay for it. How many know that treasures are costly? The most expensive things, the, most, the things that give the most pleasure cost the most. You get what you pay for. How many have ever gotten something cheap? And how many of you know you realize, yeah, it was cheap. It was good for a while, but the reason it was cheap, I know why it was cheap, because it sure didn't last, right? God does not want to give you something cheap. And because of that, following Jesus is not cheap, but here's why, it's worth it. If I could get this into you today, discipleship is worth it. It is costly, but it is a treasure that Jesus says, what would you pay for your soul? And by soul, he means fulfillment of who you are. You want to discover yourself? Jesus says, let me discover who you are. Because who you really are is what I'm going to make you into. Because if you just are happy with who you are, if you just want to be true to yourself, how sad. I've got a better self for you to be. I am going to make you into a champion. I'm going to give you a better self than what you ever were before. You were broken, selfish, and sad. And if you will trust me and follow me, I'm going to tell you your life will be deeper. It will have roots that even though you go through the storm, the tree will not be blown over. And yes, you will go through storms. Because when you deny yourself and you die to yourself and you follow Jesus, you're going to be beaten along the way. But when you get to the end, it's going to be worth it. Jesus said, there's a life that I have for you. You're going to live in a land flowing where no more tears. You will come to a place uh, where there are no more sorrows, where everything you do is going to blossom. You're going to find a purpose for your life. You're going to live with one another where people love you for who you are and they never betray you. You're going to find a family that supports you, and that we will begin to live together in such a way that everything that we have been created to be will begin to blossom. Jesus says it's called life abundant, but it's only if we follow him. Yes, it's costly, but it's what we are following him for. So today I want to ask you these questions, and we close with this. If it's so costly, how do we know we're following him? How do we know we're, not, we're denying ourselves? You know how many times we think, man, is this just me? I can't do anything. You can do things. You can live life. But here's the way to live life abundantly and still follow him. We ask these questions. 
What does God love? What does God love that I'm tempted to hate? Think about that. In your life, are there things that, man, I hate that, and I know God would love it? How many know you got to develop a taste for sometimes? There's things that, that let's put it one way, milk. I used to hate milk. I know it's good for you, and you know they always say, you need to drink milk, and, and, and I hated it. But you know what? The more you drink it, you develop a taste for it. And the things that are good, you think of, here's the things I hated. I hated broccoli. Broccoli and asparagus and, and, and all these vegetables, they're terrible. But when I decided that I wanted to live life, I wanted to be able, you know what, to, to run with my grandkids and not get tired and, and to enjoy life with my wife and live longer than 55. And I began to starting to eat broccoli and asparagus. And you know what? The more you begin to walk the journey, I love it. I love it. And it's the same way with Jesus. There are going to be times, there's things that Jesus asks us to do. We're like, oh, I hate that, Jesus. But God loves it. You might, why does God love that so much? I don't know, but once you start the journey with him, maybe you'll find out. And God will put a love in you for it. But we need to ask ourselves, right now, what are some things that I need to begin to change that God loves, but I hate? And in the same way, here's the saying, what are some things that God hates, but I love? I'm tempted to love it. Maybe so, there's some things that God says, you cannot do that anymore. I hate that when you do that. It's ruining your life. But God, I love it. It's those cheeseburgers. Are, I know they're bad for me, but I love it. Maybe it's a schedule. You know, I, I, don't, I only give God this much of my time, and I just can never make... God hates that. God hates that, that, that you do not have time to do what you know God would love you to be at in your schedule, whether it's prayer, whether it's Bible study, whether it's church. What does God hate that you're doing that you love? We need to ask ourselves these questions to follow him. And the next two is, what does God want me to let go of that I'm tempted to hold on to? Is there something in my life that I'm tempted to hold on to, and I know God wants me to let go of it. He's not being mean. Maybe he has something else for you, and there's lots of things, sports, music, relaxation, TV, maybe a relationship, things in our life that, that he wants me to let go that you know that God is speaking to you now. Now, this comes as you read the word of God, as God begins to grow within you. As you follow Jesus, he begins to speak that you need to let this go. And I'm tempted to hold on to it. And in the same way, what are some things that God wants me to hold on to that I'm tempted to let go? There's some things that, that I keep letting go of, and God says, you know, you need to hold on to these things. What are, we, what are we tempted to let go of that God says you need to take hold of? So when you begin to ask yourself those, those questions, you will begin to find yourself denying yourself. I need to deny myself. I need to pick up my cross, die to my own self, and begin to follow Jesus. And when you begin to answer these questions more often, I'm going to tell you you're getting closer to life. You're getting closer to receiving the deep fulfillment 
that God has for you. Even in the midst of the storm, you can be like Jesus. Remember when the storm came on the Sea of Galilee? The disciples were all afraid and wondering, where was Jesus? He was in the back taking a nap. Because you know what? I'm in the middle of the storm, but Jesus knew that God was in control. I'm not saying your life is going to be great and perfect, but when you are following Jesus, he will give you life that is so deep that you can trust him. That even in the storms of life, you can have peace and joy and the knowledge that your life means something. And when you do that, it affects more than you. You begin to affect others. You begin to be a place of life for those around you. But here's the key. It only comes when you follow Jesus. It's not about following the rules or changing your life. Changing your life is good, but not unless you're following Jesus. It's only when we follow Jesus that we find life. 